Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1. So we're going to jump right into the Christmas story today. And you know, I don't always preach out of the Christmas story every week in December, but this time I felt like I was, uh, Lord was really showing me some things a little bit differently that I hadn't, hadn't looked at before. And so we're going to be in Matthew 1 and verse 18. I mean, isn't it amazing that you can read God's Word over and over again and then He can just show you something new? He can, he can bring an emphasis on some. He can bring a perspective. You know, I was like uh, trying to help my son uh, learn about Scripture and we've been reading the Bible together. And so we've pretty much read in the last time period, I don't even know how long it's been, it's been over a year, maybe a year and a half, We've read all the narratives. We've read all the stories in the Bible. Uh, we've read through Proverbs. Uh, we, we did a few of the minor prophets. Um, and I've, you know, we did all the New Testament, all Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, not Leviticus, Genesis, Exodus, a small part of Leviticus and Deuteronomy, then Joshua, Judges, First and Second Samuel, all those story ones, just the whole Bible. We did Revelation because he wanted to do that. And then he's like, well, we're done. We don't have to read anymore, right? <laughs> like, no, you can read the Bible again. <laughs> like, you can go back to, the, to what you've already read. And then I said, God can speak to you and show you something new. And so God's word, the, the truth and the, and the goodness in it is, it's, it's eternal. And so you don't have to just read the Bible once. I don't know if anybody's thinking that, but it's good reminders. Just not, let's not assume we know, hey, I, I read through that, took care of that. So I'm, I'm done now. It's like, no, we gotta, we got to read the rest of it. And by the way, we didn't read Isaiah, Jeremiah, and, and Ezekiel and stuff like that. So, <laughs> But God speaks to us when we're reading His Word, when we're in His Word. And so I encourage you this season to, to get in God's Word, to stay in God's Word, to don't, don't let the busyness of what goes on in December take you away from Jesus. I mean, because if we let all the stuff in December take us away from Jesus, we miss the whole point. We miss the whole point of what, what December and the Christmas is all about. If it doesn't bring us to Jesus, everybody in the Christmas story, did you notice, they end up to Jesus. Everybody's being drawn. All the, all the focus, all the, all the supernatural happenings, everything is pointing to one person. Jesus. Because that's to whom are all things and... And from him and to him and, and, and he's all things. He's it. He's the one. He's the star. And so we want to make sure that he's becoming the star no matter what. And so as I was focusing on this, my wife and I were watching a movie. Uh, we watched a, the movie called uh, The Nativity Story. It's uh, several years old now. Uh, and it's one of the, it's probably the, the, the rawest telling of the Christmas story that I've ever seen. It's so like down to earth and like ordinary. You see Mary and Joseph, just how, you know, it just seems so ordinary and so hard and so challenging. And the thing that really stuck out to me as I was watching that story was, was I started thinking about Joseph. You know, we, we talk a lot about Mary and rightfully so. I'm not tr trying to diminish what Mary did for Jesus. First of all, let's just give it up to all women for being able to bear children, okay? Because I am thankful for that. And that's not an easy thing. 
uh, our for those of us who have kids, our, our spouses, you know, they sacrifice a lot just to birth a child. I mean, it, children leave a mark on you physically for the rest of your life. And so, you know, you're changed. And so that's, that's a sacrifice. And so, you know, Mary, Mary is amazing, but sometimes we don't even think about Joseph. And so I, wanna, I want us to focus in on Joseph today, not at the expense of Mary, but to show that God was at work in Joseph's life. And here's the deal. If you're, if you're a man and you're a husband or a father, then there's some stuff in here that Joseph can challenge us with. Because Joseph is a pretty amazing guy if we look at it. So Matthew 1 and verse 18, it says this. Holy Spirit, open the word to us as we read it. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. So all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's from Isaiah chapter 7. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son and gave him the name Jesus. And so here's the deal. Um, Just if you're not familiar, I want to give you a little overview of, of Jewish culture and how they were married back then. When they were when they were engaged, when they were betrothed to one another, that was a that was a binding thing. That was as if they were already married. Uh, they did not, you know, live together. They did not do the things that married people do together, if you get my drift. Uh, but but they were bound together already as a married couple. So they hadn't they hadn't come together to live, but they were engaged. But their engagement was just like a marriage. So that's why it said that Joseph had to divorce her. You know, if he was going to not continue on with the relationship, he had to formally divorce Mary. And so I don't know if you can imagine Joseph's situation, but I think all of us guys can do that. All of us who are married, when you've got your person that you're with, when they have a child and you know it's not you, then that is, a, is an issue. That's a big problem. I mean, some of you probably, you may have even walked through that. I mean, that's, that's, that's a tough thing to forgive right there. I have not gone through that, so I don't know what it's like. But I can only imagine what it's like. I have friends who've had that happen. I have people I know who have had things happen. It's a, it's a, it's a heartbreaking thing. And so Joseph right away is thinking, oh no, she's not who I thought she was. You know, in the movie, just a little little funny tidbit, 
you know, it, it shows Mary coming home to her parents and she's pregnant and they're like, what happened? What's going on? And she says, well, you know, an angel appeared to me and, you know, the child in me, you know, even, even Elizabeth is pregnant, my, my cousin. And the, the father, her father in the movie says, but Elizabeth has a husband. <laughs> in other words, it's supposed to happen this way for her. And so, I mean, you can imagine back then, you know, this is a, a whole lot bigger deal than it is, than it is today, unfortunately. Uh, there was, there was, this was not uh, acceptable culturally. This was not acceptable socially. Uh, Mary was be outcast and possibly even be stoned for committing uh, adultery. She wasn't, she's married, but she's not quite married. But Jewishly, she was married. So she had committed adultery against Joseph. And so rightfully, she could have been shamed. She could have had all this stuff happen. And it's interesting that it says that Joseph, and literally the word it says, did not want to expose her to public disgrace. Literally what it means there, it says, he was unwilling to shame her. He was unwilling to shame her. You know, Joseph was willing to sacrifice for Mary. He was willing to lay down his reputation. He was willing to lay down what he knew. And he, he, he was not going to shame Mary. You know, that's a sacrifice right there. Because right away, you know, there's, there's a part of us, there's a part of all of us that's really legalistic. You know, we can get really legalistic. Have you, you know, there's all kinds of stuff coming out in the media now and all kinds of people being accused of stuff. And I'm certainly, I'm all for exposing of all the darkness that's going on. But isn't it interesting that all the people pointing the fingers, you know, we've got Hollywood making all these disgusting movies and then they all point the finger. Oh, look at what this guy's doing. He's doing all this bad stuff. And it's like, have you watched some of your movies lately? Have you watched what you're putting out? Um, you know. I don't watch, you know, I don't watch rated R movies. I don't watch movies with, with sex in it. I don't watch any of that stuff. I don't want my heart to be drawn into it. But there's a whole lot of it. There's a whole lot of it out there. And people are surprised. But humans are, we are naturally, we naturally go towards legalism. In other words, I want to point the finger at someone else so I don't think about my own issues. I mean, that's ultimately what legalism is, because I want you to do it, even though ultimately in my heart, I'm probably struggling with some of the same stuff. But it's easier for me to point the finger at you and say, look at what they did. And so it would have been really easy for Joseph to just point the finger at Mary and say, look at what, this, look at what kind of girl this is. He had every right to do that. He had every right to publicly make a display and shame her. Yet he was unwilling, it says. It said Joseph was unwilling. There was something in his heart. It says he was a righteous man. You know, guys, we have to be unwilling to shame our brides in any way. We have to be, that has to be the, that's not an option. I am unwilling to belittle my wife to anybody. I am unwilling to bring her down a notch. Even if I'm upset with her, even if she messed up, I'm unwilling to bring shame upon her. Joseph was willing to sacrifice his rights. Joseph was willing to lay it down. And then it says he 
he went ahead and obeyed the Lord and took her as his wife. And so here's the deal. Joseph would have lost friends over this. He would have lost relationship. There's people that would have said, you're that, if you're that kind of guy, you know, we're, we're all holy here. We're the people of God. <laughs> if you're going to be involved in that kind of thing, you know, they, they more than likely or very possibly, Mary and Joseph would have lost all their friends. Because they weren't going to be associated with those kinds of people. Joseph was willing to sacrifice his reputation because he was willing to sacrifice for Mary. And here's the deal. He didn't know what to do. He just, okay, I'm going to get out of this until God told him what to do. It says, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph was obviously a dreamer. Anybody have dreams where God speaks to you? Hey, God speaks in dreams. Let's pay attention to our dreams. Let's pay attention to what he's, what, how God is trying to communicate with us. Joseph was a godly enough man. He knew God well enough to recognize that this was the real deal. This wasn't just, you know, I had too much hamburgers at night or pizza or whatever. And man, that was a crazy dream. There was an angel that came to me. You know, he was able to discern and recognize that this really was God speaking to him in his dreams. I mean, to me, we miss, we miss the discernment that Joseph had. Joseph had a lot of discernment about what God was saying in his life. It says three times that angels appeared to Joseph in a dream and directed his life. Now, certainly, we can say, hey, this is, you know, Jesus' birth is very important. And so God had to do something special. Well, yeah, God was doing all kinds of special stuff. But here's the deal. Part of what changed Joseph was he had an encounter with heaven. Men, part of what will change us is an encounter with heaven. The way I become a better father, a better husband, one who looks more like Jesus, one who looks more like Joseph, is I need an encounter with heaven. I need something of God to touch my life. How do I become a better man? I need an encounter with God, and I need to hear His voice. However He's trying to speak to me, I need to hear Him so I can obey what He says. You know, Joseph was not only willing to sacrifice, uh, he was willing to obey. It was one thing to hear from God, it's another thing to do what God says. I mean, so he heard from God, said, no, take Mary home as your, as your wife. So it says he took her home and his wife. He had no union with her uh, for a year. They didn't sleep together uh, until after Jesus was born. Let's be honest, guys, that was a sacrifice. He was willing to sacrifice, say, I'm going I'm to lay my rights down. Because we're treating this baby as holy. He was recognizing there was something different here. They wanted no, no uh, misunderstanding that, hey, this, this baby wa- was earthly in nature. That his father was from the earth. And so there was a commitment to holiness that Mary and Joseph had where there, where there was going to be no question in their minds that this baby came from the Holy Spirit. But Joseph had to go along with it. And it looks like maybe Joseph even possibly initiated it. was to say, I'm, this, this child is, is from the Lord. He had a recognition of those things that are holy. Now let's go on to uh, chapter 2. We have the account uh, 
We read earlier where the, the Magi, they come and visit. This is most likely up to two years after Jesus was born. It says, if you know, just, for, just so you know how we know that, it says in the Greek, when, he's, when Jesus is born in Luke and the shepherds come, the baby's name is infant in Greek. Here in Matthew chapter 2, Jesus is called a child, a paideon, a, a toddler in this passage. So we know that Jesus was no longer an infant when the Magi showed up just by reading the Greek. Here we just see baby and child and we don't differentiate. So this happens. The Magi come, they visit, they leave their gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And then here's what happens. Matthew chapter 2, verse 13, it says, When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. There it is again. And he said, Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up and took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt. I don't know if I just hadn't noticed that before, but for me, the during the night kind of stuck out to me. Joseph had a dream. He woke up and, and he said, let's go. I mean, it was like instant obedience. It was instant obedience. We have to go right now. It was not convenient. Uh, if Jesus is between 18 months and two years old, I can tell you for a fact, I don't want to go on a trip with any child that age. Okay. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Some of you are like, I can't remember. It's been so long. Let me remind you. Some of you have grandkids or something. Like, get your grandkids in the car for a while. Drive till they start going crazy and see how far you are. It's just Odessa, okay? <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> never mind. I mean, you get the picture here. This is not convenient. I mean, how inconvenient is it for Mary and Joseph to be moving around with a small child at such a, a young age, they've already left their home of Nazareth. They've had to have a baby in Bethlehem in a stable somewhere or where the animals were. They've lost their friends. They've lost their relationships. They have no communication with their family. They're all alone by themselves. And then God says, guess what? I know you've been hanging out here in Bethlehem and kind of getting used to it after, you know, maybe Joseph been getting the business going again. He's, he's a carpenter, so he's starting to build stuff. You know, maybe they're, you know, the finances are starting to come in. And so then it, then the finances really come in. These guys show up and they drop a chest of gold there. And Joseph is like, Hot, praise God right now. He's providing. We're going to have a great life here. God's going to meet all his needs. And then God that night says, get up and leave. And take them with you and get go to Egypt. Egypt. Here's the deal. Israel and Egypt, that was not like, like the number one visitation point. I mean, it wasn't like, hey, you know, vacations in Egypt, you know. I mean, the Jewish, you know, if you know the Jewish history, they don't want anything to do with Egypt. <laughs> it's like, let's not go anywhere else, God, but don't send me to Egypt. Sure, there's a Nile River there. It might be pretty, but um, come on now. And so Joseph, it says, he instantly obeyed. He says, get up, we're going to go. You know, get the car seat, honey. We're going to strap it on the camel or the donkey or whatever we got now and get that, that little toddler on the road. Long trip. We think we have hard trips now. We got cars. We got movies where we can play our kids play movies and all kinds of stuff. And uh, next time we're, we think we're suffering, we can look back on this trip to Egypt. 
that Mary and Joseph took. There was sacrifice involved. You know, Christmas is about sacrifice. Ultimately, the Christmas story is about sacrifice. Uh, you know, we, we've gotten as far away from sacrifice as Chris, at Christmas as we can as a culture. I mean, we've really, we've really turned it into basically not sacrifice. In other words, the only sacrifice I have is like, oh man, I didn't get everything on my list. <sighs> well, my birthday's coming up in a few months, so hopefully they'll come through, right? It's not, it's not a sacrifice. There's no sacrifice in that. I had a... We had some, some people in a previous church, and uh, just this is just you know, I don't want to I don't want to blame them or put them down or anything, but uh, he had lost his job. He'd been a number of months and months and months without work, and dropped into depression. It was a really tough time for this guy and his wife, and they had two kids, and uh, you know they were just taking on debt like crazy. Uh, if you can imagine it, where he, he was the main breadwinner, so she was like, you know, cutting hair, doing, just doing stuff to try to make a little bit of money here and there. And so, you know, it came to Christmas, and so we asked him, hey, can we help, help with Christmas for, you, for your family? Uh, you know, because I know you guys, you know, it was just kind of a church reaching out to people in need, possibly. Hey, we want to just bless you. And they're like, oh, oh no, no, we're, we're going to, we will, we'll, we'll make Christmas for our kids as, as huge as possible. It doesn't matter if we... We'll just put it all on the credit card. Like, we've got our sacrifice all mixed up in the United States. We're like, somehow I have to... I'm going to put myself in more debt so my kids can have Christmas. Look, our kids would be better off if they got nothing rather than for us to go into debt. That's not what Christmas is about. Christmas is about Jesus paying my debt. He was the one freeing us from all the stuff. He was the one ultimately coming to be the sacrifice. And there were people like Mary and Joseph, they sacrificed hard just to have Jesus live. Just to be his parents and to, 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 to love him and to raise him. You know, Jesus, or Joseph, Joseph sacrificed a lot for, for his own child. Guys, sometimes it's like, oh man, this, this kid's really annoying to me. <laughs> you know, we can come home from work and think, oh, now it's my time to relax. No, now it's my time to sacrifice and give to my kids, to give to my wife. That's a challenge because it's easy. You know, our culture has trained us to say the, the men they provide, they go to work, and they come home, and then they can chill. But Joseph wasn't doing no chilling. He was sacrificing for his wife and for his kids. Now, I'm challenged by that. I'm challenged by that. That he was willing to lay down so much of his life. I mean, how inconvenient was it? How, how, much, how much of a, you know, the, the good news is, hey, God did provide a chest of gold. So thank you, Lord. <laughs> the chest of gold was there. The provision was there. They had everything they needed. They never went without. But let's not for a minute underestimate the sacrifice that they gave for this child. We don't know how long they stayed in Egypt. I tried to research it and tried to get an answer 
Apparently nobody knows for sure. Could have been a number of months, could have been up to a year, uh, maybe a little bit more. And so we don't know exactly how long they had to stay in Egypt. But then at some point it says they return. It says uh, what Herod does, of course, while they're gone is all all the children to and under. That's how we have the clue kind of that Jesus was up to two is Herod killed every child to and under in Bethlehem. So it says in verse 19, after Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, get up, take the child of his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. And when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And having been warned in a dream, excuse me, he had four dreams, he withdrew to the district of Galilee and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, he will be called a Nazarene. You know, the interesting thing about Matthew is Matthew really brings out all the prophecies. Like there is, there is nothing accidental about Jesus' birth. You know, there's not, God doesn't do anything accidentally. We have to realize that, that he's, he's not always, oh, that, oh, that was a pretty cool idea. Let's go ahead and do, that, do it that way. No, this, this was something where God has a plan. God has a plan for your life. You know, we say, we can throw that out all the time. It's a very churchy thing to say. But there, there, is, there is something on your life that God has prophetically spoken to you. There are prophetic words about Jesus. Hey, He was going to end up in Galilee. He was going to end up in Nazareth. He was going to be born in Bethlehem. He was going to go to Egypt for a season. For out of Egypt I called my son. A prophecy from Hosea. You know, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of prophecies. And Jesus fulfilled everyone, not only through His birth, through His life, and then through His death. But there is a prophetic promise over all of our lives as well. There are things that God has spoken to us. There are things that God has declared about our life. And we get to choose to walk in them. Some prophetic promises are conditional. We can say, hey, God said it, so it's just going to happen, right? No, not necessarily. Some prophetic promises are conditional on us receiving them and walking in obedience. So if you've been waiting, you're like, God, I've been waiting for this. You Ask the Lord, if there, is there something you're supposed to do? I still remember when, uh, when my brother was planning to, to go to Ireland. Uh, they'd been praying for, you know, at that time, about 13 years, I think. Like, man, someday we're going to go to Ireland, you know. And they bounced around at some different things. They've had some, you know, they'd pastored in Texas and in Nebraska. They'd, they'd been at a church in Colorado and they'd done all in Colorado Springs and done all kinds of different things. And so it was like, but their dream was to get to Ireland. It was like, hey, we know God called us. When they got married within the first six months of marriage, God made a promise to them and said, someday you will raise your children and live in Ireland as missionaries. First six months of marriage. Josh came home. My brother Josh came home from working in the cabinet shop. And God spoke to him that day. When he got home, Jennifer said, hey, God, God talked to me today about Ireland. And he said, me too. <laughs> and so they knew, hey, this is the Lord. When a missionary was here, uh, it was Dennis. It was actually Dennis Pendergast uh, with Harvest Mexico, who we used to be uh, connected with. 
And, uh, you know, Josh was talking to him about being a missionary and wanting to be a missionary someday. And Dennis said this to him, you're waiting on God, but God's waiting on you. That you need to, if this is a promise from God, you need to take, what's the first step you need to take to get to that promise from God? It was like the promised land. When the children of Israel came to the promised land, they, they tried to go in and they sent the spies in and, and Tim came back with a bad report as uh, Dave was teaching last week at the foundations class. You know, and only two, only Joshua and Caleb believed God. They only, they're the only ones who believed the promise because they looked at what, what was stopping them from making it happen. And Joshua and Caleb looked at God who was going to make it happen and said, but we have to step into it. They had to take the promised land. They had to go, they had to, they had to physically make, take a step of obedience and go forward. And so sometimes when God has given you a promise, when He has said something, there may be something where you have, God's like, hey, you need to take the first step. What's the first step? What's God directing you to do to get to that promise, to see that fulfilled in your life? If He's promised, hey, you're, I'm going to have a healthy marriage, but I don't see it right now. What's the first step that you need to take to get to the promise of God? Are you willing to make a sacrifice? Are you willing to obey God? Are you willing to do something that's challenging and difficult? Are you willing to lay down your rights? It says in Philippians 2 that Jesus emptied Himself. It says when Jesus came to earth, He laid down every right. His right, his, his right to be God. His right to stay in heaven. His right with all this stuff. It says He laid it down so He could come to earth. He came not to serve, not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. And Jesus invites us as well to take up our cross daily and follow Him. So sometimes God's waiting on us. You know, that day my brother, that's the, that's the day he began to make steps to try to get to Ireland. And he messed up a lot. He made some wrong choices. He tried things and they didn't work. He did all kinds of different things. But he was... Taking a step of faith to say, I'm going to get there. And about two years, two years after that day that he was given that word, well, it might be two, between two and three, they got on a plane, they moved to Ireland. They're living in the promise of God. But there were steps of obedience, there were steps of sacrifice, there were things that had to happen for them to take the promise that God had given them. Sometimes you have to fight for the promise. Sometimes you have to hold on for that thing that God has spoken to you and say, I'm going to keep believing God. I'm going to keep trusting Him. And I'm going to take steps of faith. I'm going to do something that proves, that shows that I believe what God has said. I kind of got off the men there to everybody. Sorry, ladies. <laughs> You're like, I thought this was just for the men. That's what you said up front. So it turned out to be for everybody. You know what? Christmas is about sacrifice. It's ultimately about the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus gave. And so I don't know what God's saying to you this season. I don't know what He's, what he's doing in your heart. I don't know how He's speaking to you. 
Uh, but I invite you to step into the part of Christmas of sacrifice and obedience. We can be people who are different than our culture. You're, United States, you know what? The United States culture around the world, you know, we're, we're known as probably some of the most selfish, materialistic people that there are. People in other countries, they can spot a United States American anywhere just by the way we act. And I'm talking to us in general, okay? I know it's not you. <laughs> but you know what? I want to change the perception of the world, not of just who you know, a U.S. American is, but I want to change the perception of what a Jesus follower is, of what a, a follower of Jesus Christ looks like. It doesn't matter what other people have done. It doesn't matter, you know. Doesn't it get you upset when somebody who says they're a Christian and they're like really famous and then they do something really stupid? You're, don't, don't you want to like, you know, crucify them on the cross, right? You're like, dude, let me just, what is wrong with you? But that's, that's just our, our legalistic culture, wanting to just crucify whoever comes out as wrong and just kind of kill them. God's goal is to is to redeem certainly, but uh, it was ultimately to lay down His life. That's how He brought redemption, and we bring redemption the same way. If you want to bring redemption in in your marriage, husbands, lay down your life for your wife. Lay down your life. Lay it down. Jesus said, we get to love her as Christ loves the church. We lay down our lives. She's number one over the kids. I mean, God's number one. We know that, okay? Talking about in the family. She's number one over the children. Goes the other way, ladies, too. He's number one over the children. That's the biblical, that's the biblical picture of, of marriage. And in a few, I know I'm getting on you a little bit, aren't I? You're like, Pastor John, what happened to you? <laughs> Here's the deal. We got 10 minutes, people not even noon yet. <laughs> Here's the deal. It says in Ephesians that our marriages reveal the relationship between Christ and the church. There's going to be a lot of forgiveness. A lot of forgiveness. Christ in the church, a lot of forgiveness. There's a lot of laying down our lives. Christ in the church, it's all Christ. (laughs) Sacrifice. But it says that that picture, when people see that, they're going to get a picture of who Jesus is in his relationship with the people of God. We use a little bit more of that. We could use a little bit more of that in our nation as we live in honor with one another as we live in in willingly laying down our lives for one another you know when you love somebody it's 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 easy, it's easier to lay down your life for them i won't say it's easy i'm saying it's easier jesus said if you love me you will keep my commands in other words the way to obedience with god is not to try harder it's to fall in love more with him If you're having a hard time obeying God, get to know Him more. 
let his love get in your heart. When you love him, you'll want to obey him. If you're struggling with your relationship with your spouse or your children or whoever it is, find a way to love them. Find a way to remember why you love them. If you have to dig, 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 dig a long way, find a way where you go, okay, I, this is why I love this person. So Joseph challenged me, so I challenged you. He was willing to lay down his life. You know, it, it's really interesting that uh, Joseph disappears from the story. You know, we don't we don't really know what happened. We we think he he possibly he possibly died uh, at some point. He he disappears from the story. Uh, we only see Mary later at Jesus's uh, life. You know, when he's doing his ministry and stuff. There's there's no Joseph. So most likely. Uh, he died early on, and that wouldn't have been unusual for that time period to die, possibly in his or 30s or 40s or something. Um, but what we do know about Joseph was he was a righteous man, and that he laid down his life, and he obeyed God. He was obedient to the revelation from heaven that God gave him. Let's stand and we'll, we'll pray and close. Father, we just thank you. For this example, we thank you for this challenge, God. That I'm challenged by Joseph to quit being so selfish. Lord, that, that my life, I don't want it to be about just me and what I want, what makes me happy and what makes me comfortable, Lord. I want to I be about what makes you happy, Lord, and how I can lay down my life for those that you have called me to love, for those you've placed in my life, Lord, whether that's my immediate family, whether that's someone that you have called me to walk together in, in spiritual life with in, in the body of Christ, whether it's someone who doesn't even care at all, Lord, but you said, hey, lay down your life for them, love them. Lord, I want to be willing to do that. And so I know we can't do that. Lord, I pray for encounters from heaven for every single person in here. Lord, we, we need encounters from heaven, God. We can't just hear a challenge from you and try harder. We need something that is beyond us to help us with this, Lord. So we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us, whether we are hearing from you, uh, having visions while we're awake, whether we just hear your still, small voice in our heart, whether we are receiving supernatural dreams as we sleep. Whatever it is, let us hear from you, God. Let us hear what you're saying to us and let us seek your face above all else, God. Let us seek your kingdom. Let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that we would seek first your kingdom and your righteousness and all these things will be added to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Be blessed. If you need prayer, come on up. We'd love to still pray with you. And ladies, remember tonight at 6 o'clock, don't miss those pancakes and bacon.